I want to talk with you about gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Of course, that comes from 1 Corinthians. And... Uh, the third chapter, 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and the 12th verse. You better get to the right chapter. The 12th verse. And it says, <clears throat> Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. If anyone would build upon this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, hay, sticks, stubble. So what this, what this verse is doing is talking about building material and the building material that's being used. You know, the first time that I went to Europe when Jeff was in the Ukraine, when I flew over, I, I flew on Lufthansa Airline, which is a German airline. And so we, on the way over and on the way back, I flew through Frankfurt. And uh, <clears throat> while I was on the flight, which you know it's a fairly lengthy flight, I was reading in Lufthansa's magazine that they have on the back of the seat in front of you. And there was an article there about Frankfurt, Germany. Now, at this time, Iowa was in the process of celebrating, or about to celebrate, 150 years of statehood. Well, then this article was talking about Frankfurt, Germany. And Frankfurt was about to celebrate its 1500th anniversary of being a city. At that point, I realized that the Europeans were right when they said that we Americans have no concept of history. Because in their thinking, we have no history. You know, the 150 years is still in the present. But you know, when you go around Germany, you find castles, you find buildings that have stood up for hundreds of years. You know, Pastor Becky and I, we were very fortunate, you know, from the standpoint that, you know, with Jeff and Amy living in, in Italy for many years, we, we saw Rome and the surrounding area many times. You know, it hit me one time when I was getting ready to go to Italy how often we had been there because I got thinking about the fact that many people save up their whole lives to be able to take a trip to Italy. And I realized it was the night before we were leaving and Becky was still washing the clothes that I was going to put in my suitcase. That's how much preparation I'd put into it. But you know, in the years that we, they were there, uh, we were there, I believe, almost every year. 
And uh, I was there many times, at least twice a year, and oftentimes three times a year because of teaching in the Bible school and different things like that. So, you know, it got kind of commonplace. But the point that I wanted you to see is that we had the opportunity, the experience to see Rome. And even though we weren't necessarily there as tourists, the fact that we were there, we were able to see much of the city of Rome and we were able to see the surrounding area. And, and one of the things that's so interesting about Rome is here you have a modern city, which is the capital of Italy. You have all the modern buildings and, and everything else. But then you can go to the center of the city and even scattered throughout the city, you have these ruins that are thousands of years old, 2,000 years old. You know, you can see the Colosseum. Um, you can see the old Roman road. There's so many things that you can see there. And uh, you actually get a glimpse into the old Roman Empire. And it's, it's remarkable to be able to see the new and the old, especially if you enjoy, enjoy history, to be able to see them sitting there next to one another. But the reason that so much of the ancient Rome can still be seen today is most of the buildings were constructed out of stone. You know, Caesar and the Romans, they wanted generations to follow, years and years to follow, to be able to see how magnificent the Roman Empire was. And so they built their buildings, their palaces, they built their streets, their monuments, column statues. All of these were constructed for future generations, for them to be able to look on them and see how magnificent, how, how wonderful this Roman Empire was how magnificent Caesar was. And you know, here you are, you can go there 2,000 years after the fact, and you can see these buildings, you can see these structures. No, they're not, many of them are not complete, but there are those that it's very obvious what they were. And you can see these buildings. And so, <clears throat> the Romans the materials that they used to build many of their buildings is spoken of in this passage when it talks about gold, silver, precious stones. That's what their magnificent buildings were built of. But there was, a, there was another side of Rome. There was a side of Rome that, you see, you got to understand something about the wealthy in Rome. They didn't like manual labor. Can anybody identify with that one? But they didn't, they didn't appreciate manual labor, and so they, they didn't want to do manual labor. And so what they did 
was throughout the Roman Empire, they would bring in individuals from other areas and they would enslave them. And they would make them their slaves. You know, it's said that at one time in the city of Rome, three out of, well, let me put it this way, two out of every three individuals was a slave. And the, so, so the slave population in Rome outnumbered the free slot population because of the things that they wanted to do, the things that they wanted to hold them to. So the free population was actually less than the slave population. And those slaves were there to do whatever it was that their masters wanted to do, wanted them to do. Every whim, every desire that the master had, that was what they were to do. But there was an interesting thing. You don't find any of the slaves' dwellings. They were all destroyed, whether it was the weather, whether it was decay, whether it was the fires that Rome had. You don't see any of the slaves' quarters because the slaves' quarters were not constructed to last. They weren't even constructed to last a, an entire lifetime. They were more or less temporary. They were something that they could throw together quickly to stick the slaves in. And these, these slaves' quarters were built of wood, lumber, um, straw, stubble. That's what the slaves' material was used. Now, it's an interesting thing. The, the quarters of the rich people, which was made of stone, lasted for generations, for thousands of years. The quarters of the slaves, which was made out of cheap material, it didn't last. Now, the thing about Paul is that Paul saw all this. He traveled throughout the Roman Empire and he, he saw the differences in the construction and how one lasted and one did not last. And, and that's basically where we got this passage from because in this passage, Paul isn't just throwing out some names of material. He's actually given us a comparison that we can look to. And so let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter again. This time, let's lead, read verse 12, but let's read it in, in its context so that we, we get the flow of it so that we can see what Paul is really talking about because when you read it in its context, you can see what Paul is really trying to address to the church in Corinth when he speaks to them. And so beginning in verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Everybody say, I'm God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master building, I have laid the foundation. 
and another builds upon it. But, each, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And so the foundation that's been laid in your life and my life is the foundation of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the gospel of grace has been laid in each of our lives. But Paul says that now that we have that foundation, we're to build upon that foundation. But Paul also says that we need to we need to concern ourselves or we need to be aware of how we're building upon that foundation. Because each and every one of us has the foundation if we've received Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But how do we build upon that foundation? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. For if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw. Each one's works, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each man's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. And so it says the fire is going to come. The fire comes upon the gold, the silver, the precious stone, the hay, stick, and stubble. The fire comes, and the fire comes to test what kind of material we've used to build upon the foundation. And so, really what he's talking about here, this whole thing, he wants to bring out to us a comparison so that we can look through here and we can make a determination. We can do a little bit of a self-examination and determine what am I using to build upon the foundation that I have, which is Christ Jesus? So, Christ is the rock. He is the foundation that we build upon. And so are we using that which is costly or maybe we could say it this way, that which costs us something. Are we trying to build upon that foundation cheaply? Because if we build cheaply, it's not going to last. You know, when Pastor Becky and I, when we were first married, we didn't have a lot. Even though Pastor Becky married me for my money. You know, prior to our marriage, we banked at the same bank 
And so shortly after we were married, we got a notice from the bank that they were going to combine David Schroeder's account with Becky Miller Schroeder's account. And so they were going to transfer the total of David Schroeder's account into Becky Miller Schroeder's account, which was a total of 23 cents. And so needless to say, it's very obviously obvious that she married me for my money. But you know, after we were married, you know, we, we our, our furniture was stuff that we had borrowed. I'd made a bedroom set when I was in high school, so that was our bedroom set. It was really wonderful. It was solid wood, but it was, we won't go any further with it. It was wonderful. And, uh, but everything, you know, everything else we, we had, we, we basically borrowed from people. And, and so when we, you know, I was, I was working, and so we were starting to get a little bit of money. And so we decided that if we were going to buy, buy something, we wanted to focus more on the quality than the quantity. And so, you know, we bought, we bought a washer and dryer. Nothing lasted forever. With my money. We don't have to go into this bag. It's, it was our money. It was our account. Gee. My 23 cents was involved there somewhere. And then we bought a stove. And... Uh, you know, this is 50, almost 50 years later, and it is 50 years later, and it's still sitting in our basement. I don't think it worked the last time we wanted it. It worked. It still works. That's quality. Our, the couch we finally were able to buy because we had a, a rocker we had bought and a couple of folding chairs. That was our living room. And uh, we bought a couch. And that couch we recovered once. And out at the youth boon, after we had this building and everything out here, um, for many years, it was out there. It was taken to Tulsa, I think, and brought back. I don't remember. Anyway, quality lasts. Amen. And so if we're going to do that in the natural, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we... Do that in the spiritual. Why wouldn't we build upon a foundation? That good foundation, that solid foundation. Why wouldn't we build something upon that that's going to last? And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying every one of us, if we're born again, we're going to be building upon that foundation. How are you building upon that foundation? Are you using materials that are going to last? And you know what? It's supposed to last generations. My relationship that I have with Jesus Christ is to go beyond me. It's, go, it's to go to the generations that follow after. How are we building upon that? Or are we building it with cheap material so that it doesn't even last my lifetime? But you know, we have to make that determination. Now, <clears throat> This may bore you, but tough. I'm doing the preaching, so you have to listen to me. Or walk out. Uh, but let's, let's look at those materials real quickly. 
The first one he mentioned was gold. It comes from the Greek cross, and it's talking about gold material. Now, the interesting thing about gold, gold doesn't make a good construction material. It's not a good material to build a building with. But in all of their buildings, anything that was significant, they would use gold on the exterior. And they'd use gold on the interior. And it, would, it was used to show that this is an important building. And it would be put over the face as decor and so forth. Now gold was very, was not in great supply. And so it was considered, you know, the number one material. I mean, most expensive material that you could find. And, you know, before Alexander the Great, there was gold, but not like it was seen afterwards. And so gold was used to enhance the structures that they would, they would build. Silver... Eragos in the Greek was used much in the same way. Again, it wasn't a good building material, but it was, a, it was a material that was used in the exterior of buildings to, to de decorate that building. It was used on the interior for decoration. Any building that was important or significant, they put gold on it and silver. But this word gold here, eragos, was used for money. If you remember out of Matthew, the 26th chapter and the 15th verse, it talks about Judas and how Judas betrayed Jesus. And it tells us that Judas betrayed Jesus for, what was it, 30 pieces of gold. 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, silver, not gold. Silver. But it, 30 coins. And so it means the exact same thing. And so under this time, we see that silver is used for, for their coin. The other thing about silver, it was used in fashioning decor, but it was also used in carving out they're idols. And again, we see this is in Acts 19, 24, where it talks about the goddess of Ephesus, how those goddesses, those, those idols, were formed out of gold. Remember, Paul got in trouble because uh, the, the smiths who were making these silver idols, their businesses were in trouble because people were converting to Christianity. So they no longer worship these, these idols. And that was silver that they were talking about. But then it says precious stones. Luthus temias, it's a double words. Luthus means stone, and temio means honorable, costly, or precious. But it's an interesting thing here where he's talking about precious stones. He's not talking about diamonds. He's not talking about emeralds, rubies. He's not talking about what we think about when we think of costly stones. 
He's talking about marble. He's talking about granite. And those stones, marble and granite, were the most costly of the stones, but they were really good building materials. And what we see about Rome is Rome was built out of rock, the good part of the city, the part of the city that was to remain. And they used marble and they used granite, oftentimes just on the surface. But because of this marble and granite, it was able to endure the test. All three of these were able to endure the test. They were able to endure the weather. They were endure, able to endure decay. They were able to endure the fires that would come their way. And so Paul talks about that, but then he makes a comparison. And the comparison is talking about the slave quarters. It's talking about the cheap material, the materials that, that don't cost a whole lot, that don't last, that don't endure the test of time. And so the first word he talks about there, he talks about wood, zulos. And this word wood is talking about timber, branches of trees, wood, or anything made of wood. Anything made of wood, that's what it's talking about. It, it denotes or talks about building materials. But what's interesting about this, the word also refers to kindling, refers to that which can be used for fuel for a fire. And so really, the wood at least back then, was more for building a fire than building a building. But they used the wood because it was plentiful. They used the wood because it was cheap. They used the wood because they could work with it and get a structure up in no time flat. And so wood was one of the materials. But the problem with wood is you catch on fire. It can decay. The second wood material he talks about is hay. Hay isn't, was a material that was used in constructing the slave quarters, but it wasn't a very good material. It doesn't have any real structure to it. And, and so it was the word krotos. You see, hay was a material, it was an element that was used to feed animals. In fact, oftentimes, krotos is defined as fodder, that which is used to feed animals. But, you know, it didn't have any real structure to it, so it wasn't able to be used to construct the building. But hay was used for the roofs. It can mean... Um, hay, it can mean grass. Any of those things were used uh, for the roof of the building. But it was fragile. And once again, it was flammable. It would decay. 
it would not last, but it was it would replenish itself. It was plentiful. But then the last one is stubble. Kelam. And it means straw or stubble. What's interesting about this is such an inferior material that not, not even the animals would eat it. But again, it was a material that was available. It wasn't any good for the outside, but it was used inside. It was used for their floors. It was, you know, it's used today to bed down animals. Not any good to eat, but you can bed down an animal with it. So it was used in the floors of the slaves' quarters. It was used for material, for insulation for the walls. It was used to stuff into their mattresses or whatever so that they would, it was their bedding. So these are the materials. And so hopefully you're seeing this. What Paul is doing is he's using these materials as a comparison. But notice what Paul says now in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, do you not know? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now isn't it interesting, after he shares all this and he makes this comparison, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? It's very interesting when you go look back and you see the construction of the temple. The construction of the temple, it would use wood for the doors and so forth. But the doors were always overlaid with gold. Everything that was wood was overlaid with gold, with that which was, which was costly. <clears throat> the temple wasn't constructed to be destroyed because the temple did not decay. The temple did not fall apart. The temple would not have ceased to exist over a period of time because of the materials that it was made of, it would have remained. But man took apart that temple and destroyed it stone by stone by stone by stone. The invaders came in and they took the gold, took the silver, took everything that of value. But then you know what? They even took the precious precious stones. They began to take those stones and use them in other constructions and so forth. You know, when Pastor Becky and I were in Italy and we were at the Great Wall and, you know, it's, it's massive on the top, but then you go underground and they've, they, they've dug up much of the foundation and so forth. And you go down there and there's there, there's, there's, there's one slab, there's slabs that are as big as this platform. They're humongous. 
But you know what? That's what the temple was built out of, and it was taken apart piece by piece. It was built to remain. You have a foundation that has been given to you through the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that foundation is so solid, it is so strong, you can build upon it. But it's determined by how we build upon it. Are we building upon it? And I believe that this is what Paul is saying here when he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Do you not realize how important it is that you build upon your foundation with a material that's going to survive time. That's going to survive not just simply your life, but those that come after you, the generations that follow after. That your testimony remains strong and true so that the generations that follow after you can look back and say, that was my heritage. Are you able to do that? Or are you building in such a way that you're able to do that? You know, we've been saved now. I've been saved for over 40 years, 45 years. Been in the ministry almost 39 years. You know, and in that time, I've seen a lot of people. They start out strong. They start out excited about the things of God. But you know, as the parable of the seed and the sower tells us, as the deceitfulness of riches, as the desires of other things, as those things begin to creep in, because their foundation isn't secure, all at once they begin to stray away. And you know what? Their testimony doesn't remain just simply for that generation or the generations to come. It doesn't remain for, for their generation, for their life. But you know, it's determined how we build upon it. You know, Brother Hagen, people used to approach him and they'd say, well, you know, this whole faith thing and all this stuff, it's easy for you. Because you're anointed. And Brother Hagen would always say, no, I'm anointed to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to do the ministry, but I grow in faith just like you do. And he says, you know, the difference between me and you is that I chose to do something with my faith. I chose to grow in faith. We have to make that choice. It doesn't happen through osmosis. It doesn't happen because my grandfather was a believer. That doesn't mean automatically it's going to be manifest in my life. I have to make the choice. You've heard me say this before. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. And each and every one of us must be born into the kingdom of God. That is the foundation. That is the beginning. But then we must begin to build upon it. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to challenge you to think. What a revolutionary thought. 
But I want to challenge you to think. How are you building your life? Are you building your life hastily? With perishable materials? Or are you taking your life seriously? Building carefully? With materials that will last throughout your life and be strong enough to impact not only this present generation's generation, but the generations to come. But see, we have, to, we have to make that choice. And I'm talking about materials. What are the materials that I'm talking about? I'm talking about the materials of building yourself up in faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Praying in the Holy Ghost. As it says in Jude 20, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Spending time in fellowship and intimacy with God. Every one of those things are, are building upon that foundation. But every one of those things requires something from us. It requires time. It requires attention. You know, to build upon it cheaply is for you to take my word for it. Everything that I preach to you, everything that I share with you, hopefully what you're doing is you're going home and you're taking out your own Bible. And, you know, and I know it's difficult to take notes. But guess what? We're online. You can go back and you can hear it over and over again. And you can fast forward through the parts you don't want to hear. <laughs> like my stories. You can fast forward. But you can hear it over and over. But don't take my word for it. Because that's building upon your foundation cheaply. And it won't last. Thank God for books. Thank God for reading materials. There was a friend of mine many years ago. And he'd minister in wonderful ministry. But you know, I, I began to see something. Oftentimes, the things that he would minister, I wouldn't see it manifest in his life. How many of you know that our lives are to be a living testimony? And we're not to convince people by the words that we speak. Why? Because words are cheap. We're to convince people by the life that I live. Jesus addressed this. He said he had a man, he had two sons. He went to the first son and he says, Go out in the field and do such and such. And the boy said, I don't want to. And he didn't. So the father went to the second son. He said, son, go to the field. He says, whatever you ask, dad, I'm going to do it. Well, the first son, who said he wouldn't go to the field, began to feel guilty. And so he went to the field and did what his father asked him. The second son, even though he had sold, told his father... He, wasn't, he was going to go to the field. He didn't go to the field. 
is just a bunch of words. And that's how it is when we say we believe the word of God, but we don't act upon it. Oh, Pastor Dave, you're getting really mean today. No, I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. I just want you to have a solid foundation. But you know, if we say we're going to do it and then we don't do it, we're just, it's just a bunch of, what do you call it, jibber-jabber? Amen. I don't want to be a jibber-jabber. I want to be a doer of the word. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. And that's what the cheapness is, is when we are, we're not a doer of the word. Jesus shared another parable. And see, this is what I want you to understand, is Paul didn't just pull this out of the air someplace and say, this is really a great message. Paul talked about the, the, the two constructions. One was built on the rock, Jesus Christ. The other was built upon the sand. The same storms came against both of them. One stood and one fell. We can be built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and we can stand no matter what it is that comes against us. But anyway, getting back to this preacher. And so I began to look at something. I began to see something in his life. I believe he had what I call a photographic memory. He would read a book. The moment that he was done reading it, he could preach it. Because he'd just remember everything in the book. The problem was, he didn't get down on the inside of him. And so he had talked it, but he didn't live it. I don't want to be a talker of it. I want to be a liver of it. And that is building with a material that's going to last not through my lifetime, our lifetime, but it's going to last through the generations to come. You know, what is it that people say oftentimes about Christians? Well, I don't want anything to do with Christianity because they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, it's probably a hypocrite that said that. But the sad part is oftentimes there's truth. Because a hypocrite is basically somebody who says something but then doesn't live it. You heard my favorite story of Sister Angelica on Catholic TV. One day I was watching her and she was answering letters and the letter came in and it said, Oh, Sister Angelica said, I would go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. And Sister Angelica says, well, honey, don't worry about it. There's always room for one more. I wish I'd come up with that line. It's just okay. In fact, I'm, I think I'm going to stop giving Sister Angelica credit for it. She's gone home to be with the Lord now, so she, you know, she doesn't need the credit anymore. I think I'll just take it. But it's the truth. What are we building upon? It needs to be built upon the Word of God. So we build upon the foundation, which produces faith, which is building upon that foundation, which because of faith, we pray and we believe and we practice the principles that God has given us in his word. You know, it's... I think the thing that's hardest for me in the ministry 
is I want everybody to experience the fullness of what God has made available to them. And I believe that Pastor Becky and I have been somewhat successful. And the thing about it is, is I know what brought us to this place in our life. And I believe the reason that we're able to say for the last 40 odd years that we've served God together faithfully and we've not backslid is because we've built upon a foundation that'll remain. I believe we've built upon a foundation that's going to go beyond us, that our children can look to that, our grandchildren, if Jesus tarries, our great-grandchildren. And not only that, I believe some of our spiritual children are able to walk in that as well. But you know, it takes decision-making. And sometimes that decision-making isn't easy. Sometimes it goes against everything that you want to do. That's why the last two weeks I talked about emotions. Because if you allow your emotions to control your life, it'll drag you down. It'll take you in a direction that you don't want to go because your emotions held unchecked or not held in check will take you totally contrary to the Word of God. And so, we need to look at our life and we need to ask ourselves. And so here's some questions. How am I building my marriage? Based on what I am doing today, will my marriage flourish or perish? How am I building my children? Will my children pass the test of life because of what I put into them? How am I building my relationships? Am I building my relationships so they can stand up against any storm? How am I building my ministry? Am I doing it a lot Am I doing a lot of quick fixes that aren't really solutions to problems in my ministry? Or am I taking time to build my ministry right so I'll last a lifetime? You know, I want people in ministry. But when I'm in ministry, it's going to last. I don't want it to be a here today, gone tomorrow. I don't want it to be a puff of smoke. Remember an individual that came to me after children's camp one year and just loved it as a counselor. And after camp came and talked to me. And said, Pastor, I, I feel called to the ministry. And I says, praise the Lord. He says, I absolutely loved being involved in children's ministry. What do I need to do? 
And I said, well, I want to help you with that. You know, you probably will, if you're serious about going further with it, you may need to go to school or something like that. But, but let's start here. Let's start by you attending church regularly. Let's start by you giving tithes and offerings. Let's start at the beginning, which is asked of and expected of every believer. And then you're able to progress from there. But you've got to begin with the foundation. <clears throat> How many of you have noticed when somebody's building a three-story building, they don't begin on the third story. They have to put up the walls on the first story, put in all the structure that's going to hold up the second story, then they build the second story, and within that structure, the second story, they build everything that's necessary to hold up the structure of the third story. They don't start at the top and work their way down. Why? Because the structure will not stand. I found something out. I haven't found a single preacher that hasn't made it because they can't preach. Because you can find somebody that'll listen to you. Amen. I've listened to the radio. I've turned on the TV. There's somebody that'll listen to anybody. So I've not found people that can't make it because they can't preach. I'll tell you why they don't make it. Because of character. Because they haven't established the foundation of the Word of God in their life. Because when we establish that foundation, we begin to build upon that foundation. It begins with me. It doesn't begin with everybody around me. It begins with me. And that's why these questions that I'm asking you to ask yourself, you're not asking about the people around you. You're asking it concerning yourself. Because each and every one of us, we and we alone, built upon the foundation of Christ. I am the temple of God. We corporately are. But I am individually as well. And this is a structure that I have to build before we build this structure. So we need to take the Word of God. We need to take our life with Him seriously. How am I building my business? Will the steps I take today build a long-term business? Or will I later regret that I didn't make long-lasting decisions? We're in an instant society. We want it now. We want our business to flourish now without laying the foundation. You've heard me share the story of driving around New Ulm, Minnesota with this individual and he says, you see all these empty buildings 
storefronts. He said, what you find, and it happened with almost every one of these businesses, it was founded by a man that invested all of his time, all of his money back into the business because he wanted to build his business. His son comes along. His son, to a great extent, continues to do the same thing, but because the business has been established, he's, been, he's able to begin to take out. And he's able to receive and he's able to enjoy life a little more than his father had. And then comes the third generation. He's not seen the sacrifice. And so he doesn't make any investment. He just simply takes. And the problem with any business, with anything in life, the moment that you stop investing in it, you begin to lose it. And he says, every one of these businesses, he said they failed in the third generation. Because when it got to the third generation, they quit investing. You know what's sad about Christendom? Is oftentimes it doesn't even make it to the third generation. You have a couple, an individual, they get introduced to Jesus. They give their time, their talent, their treasury. They give themselves to the work of the ministry. They make sacrifice. And they establish the church. But then comes along the next generation. And hopefully the, the next generation has seen some of that. And so they'll continue to invest and recognize what's important to keep a Good relationship with Jesus. But oftentimes it doesn't even go that far. But then they get to the third generation. You know what happens? Somewhere down the line we start all over again. It was never intended to be that way. Each and every one of us, our faith was intended to be passed on from generation to generation. I can't tell you how many individuals that I've talked with whose father was a believer but their children know absolutely nothing about his experience with God. If our children know anything, if they're to know anything, they ought to know about our experience with God. We ought to make that investment in them. Because it's long term. It's not short term. How am I building my finances? Am I using money in a way to build my future? Or am I throwing away my future by being reckless today? Well, Pastor, I don't think money is important to God. Well, then it's time for you to read your Bible. Because you will find that it's important to God. And the reason that it's important for God, to God is because how you use your finances is a reflection upon you. It's a reflection upon your relationship with him. And so money is important. How am I building my health? If I keep doing what I'm doing right now, will I be healthy later in my life? Or is my present lifestyle jeopardizing my future physical health? 
Well, why is my future physical health important? Because each and every one of us are to finish our race. I don't want to run out of gas. I don't want to stall out before I've accomplished what God has called me to do. Now, this is a good time for me to preach this because I've eaten weeds and seeds these days. <laughs> Amen. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. But we need to examine that. We need to consider that. Am I jeopardizing my health with my lifestyle? With the things that I'm doing? You know, I'm blown away by the number of people that put poison into their bodies. Because they want to feel good. That's stupidity, stupidity, going to seed, producing a harvest. Am I doing that? Because if I'm doing that, I'm not considering my future. I'm jeopardizing my future. I'm jeopardizing my ability to fulfill and complete what God's called me to do. Jesus is the foundation of our lives. We thank him for that awesome truth. But what you build on top of that foundation depends upon you, depends upon each and every one of us for ourselves. I just encourage you to ponder these questions, to think about it. And as you think about them, think about it from the standpoint what can and what do I need to do differently. You know, when I give people the temperament tests, there's two, two stages to the test. The first one is I go through them and we talk about the temperament and, and define the characteristics and so on and so forth. But then there's a, the next part. The next part is called the needs list. And in the needs list, you go through it and you, you look at it from the standpoint, is my need being, are, my, are my needs being met? Is this being met in my life? And if it's not, what do I need to do? What can I do to correct that? Because the need and the can can be different. You know, because you may be in a stage in your life where you need a lot of quiet time, but you've got four kids running around the house. You may need some quiet time, but you probably ain't going to get it. But that doesn't mean that it's not still needed, and so you have to evaluate how can I get this without ignoring my responsibilities and the needs of the kids. And so we evaluate. And that's what I want you to do with this. Am I doing the things that I need to do? And if I'm not, what do I need to do? And at this place in my life, what can I do? 
of that which I need. Because you know what? You've got to stop, some, start somewhere. I think it was an old proverb that said, the longest journey begins with the first step. You got to start someplace. Got to start someplace. But you know what? Unless you recognize and acknowledge you have a need to do so, you'll never do it. So this morning, I just want to challenge you. How are you building upon that foundation? Are you building with gold, silver, precious stones, marble granite? Or are you building with hay, sticks, and stubble, which will never stand the test of fire that each of us go through from time to time. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Father, I questioned whether I should pray for individuals this morning. But it isn't so much about you intervening as it is for us choosing to have you intervene in our life. We've shut the door. We've taken the easy way. We've taken the convenient way. We've taken the road that is so traveled. We have to choose to take the road less traveled. We have to choose to follow you and recognize your way, even though it may seem difficult in the beginning, it'll stand the test of time. So Father, we yield ourselves unto you and we want you to speak to us. And Father, as for me and my house, we choose you. We choose to use those materials that will stand the test of time, that will last for generations to follow, that your kingdom might be built up and that your kingdom would be furthered. And Father, we ask it and expect it in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And turn to the person next to you and say, man.